Hey, have you, have you ever had a plan for something? Like you plan for it, and it just goes sideways. I mean, like something messes up, and the plan that you thought you had was a plan, and it just crashed. Anybody know about that? <laughs> Let me tell you. I, uh, I was looking for my, my youngest child is a, is a boy, and he was getting old enough to drive. And like the daughters before him, I'd get them some reliable, inexpensive transportation to get them going. So I had this plan. And it was a plan that I didn't necessarily consult God with before I did it. And there was a guy down the street that had allowed my son to drive his Jeep. And it wasn't just a regular Jeep. It was a jacked up Jeep. With big tires on it. It was 15 years old. I mean, y'all could see that coming a hundred miles away, right? How could I not? And so from the day that I bought that Jeep, I started taking wheelbarrow full after wheelbarrow full of cash and just dumping it into it. I tell you, that plan I had, it wasn't God's plan. It was my plan to try to please a young, and after all the children I've raised, to think that I would cave on the last one. Oh. <laughs> well, you know, I want you to know that uh, if we find out where God is, and then we get into that, your plans won't fail. But if you get over here on the side somewhere, and you can see God over here, and you start asking God to come this way, chances are it's not going to work. Because let me tell you, in case you didn't know, Satan has a plan for your life. Now, most preachers will say, yeah, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly to kind of go that way with this. But that's not the way I want to go with this. Because you all know that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You don't have to be a Bible student or a scholar to figure that out. You can just look around, pay attention. You know what happens. Well... What I'm here today to help you examine and to look at is not only does Satan have a plan, but how does he do it? Dr. Davidson talked this morning about how God moves forward and how you can look and see what God has done through Bible and prophecy, and it's occurred, and then there's more left. So you start looking there. So I want you to see the techniques and the tactics 
that Satan can use. And if any of you have had them applied to you, you'll immediately say, yeah, I fell for that. Oh, man, I should have seen that coming. And I want you to know where these plans that Satan has for our life, where and when they started. And they started in the garden. And Satan's talking to Eve. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, Well, we can eat fruit from any of the trees in the garden. But God said, You must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, we can see that coming a hundred miles away, right? Like we're screaming out, don't do it, stop. But guess what? It was just Satan and Eve. I want you to know that what Satan wants to do is Satan wants to isolate you. You can say the word of God, but he wants to isolate you to get you away from the word of God. And if Satan can get you isolated somewhere, he can start working on you. You will not die. It's okay if you buy that truck. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it started in the garden. And and the reason that we need to know this is because we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but we struggle against rulers, against the authorities and powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Satan wants to isolate us. Man, he wants to get us alone, get us where we're vulnerable. Wants to pick us off. That's his plan. That's his plan for our life. How else is he going to steal, kill, and destroy? He's going to get us alone. Jesus was traveling with his disciples. He was on the Sea of Galilee. And he was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. And they got in a boat. And they traveled over. I'm sorry, he was on the west side. He traveled over to the east side. And when he arrived there... He went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Came from the tombs. Out of town. Away from town. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been chained hand and foot. And he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. You see, Satan had a plan for this man to live in him with the tombs all alone, chain him up, have him be isolated, have him be an outcast. Satan has a plan for us too. And as Jesus approached this man, 
the demons, which number 2,000 according to the Bible, Jesus told them to leave this man. And 2,000 of them went into pigs, and the pigs jumped in the water and died. And this man was healed. You see, Satan not only wants to isolate us, he wants to inhabit us. He wants to get in and live in us. See the steps? He's going to isolate you, and then he wants to come in and live in you. It's real easy to do, step by step. We should be able to see it 100 miles away, but sometimes we don't. There was a king named Nebuchadnezzar. He was a Babylonian king. And he had taken Israel captive. And there were three Jewish men in his control. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king made this golden image. And this golden image he made, and he made a a decree in the country. And this is what he said in Daniel 3. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image of the gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship immediately will be thrown into the blazing furnace. See, there's going to come times in your life when there's going to be an intersection. And it's going to be an intersection where you have to decide. It's like a crisis of belief. What am I going to do? Am I going to do what King Nebuchadnezzar says? Or am I going to do what the Lord God Almighty says? Now, it seems like a really easy thing. Oh, I'm going to do what God says. But when you get there, you've got to turn right or left. People behind you are honking their horns. The light's green. you got to go. You better decide beforehand what you're going to do. And these young boys did that. Here's what they said. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So here's what the, the king did. He sent his big warriors up there. They made that furnace so hot, the warriors threw them in, and it was so hot it killed the people that threw the young men in. And as the king looked in, he says, well, I'm seeing four instead of three. And the satraps and prefects and governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. The robes were not scorched, and there was not even a smell of fire on them. You see, Satan wants to burn you alive. That's what he wants to do. And he'll use any kind of trickery to do it. He'll threaten you. If you don't do this, I'm going to throw you in the furnace. 
and you're there at the stoplight at the intersection, people are honking behind you. You've got to think ahead of what you're going to do. And, and I want you to know that this doesn't just pertain to all of us normal folks, like the man from the furnace, like the young boys, like Eve all alone in the garden. You see, it happens to Jesus also. Think back. Jesus has been baptized. He goes out in the wilderness for 40 days and fasts. And at the end of that 40 days, up high on a mountain, all alone, he meets Satan. Satan has a plan for the life of Jesus. Look what he says. He says to Jesus, if you're hungry, now he's fasted for 40 days. I've never done a 40-day fast. If anybody has, God bless you. I guarantee you were hungry when you got done. If you're hungry, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus quoted scripture. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off this mountain. Jesus used the word of God again. You shall not test the Lord God. And he said, if you'll, I will give you everything if you bow down to me. He said, you shall not worship the God alone. You shall worship the Lord God alone, and him shall you serve. You see, Satan wants to tempt you. That's part of his plan for your life. When you're tempted, don't think. You're being tempted by God. Because God will give you a way where there is no way. See, the bottom line is Satan has a plan for your life. And it's not a good plan. It's not going to really work for you. He wants you destroyed. So, what do I do to foil that plan? You get in a relationship with Jesus Christ is the first thing. Because then you're not alone anymore. You're not out there by yourself. You associate with believers, people you can trust. You read the Bible. God speaks through people. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks to us. He speaks through your study. He speaks through your church, either here or online, however you digest the Word of God. And Jesus put it this way. It's the difference between stone and sand. He was teaching his disciples. And here's what he said in Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. 
because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. Psalm 127, one says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders label labor in vain. Second Timothy 2.19, it says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. Satan's got a plan for your life. It's not a good plan. It's a plan you ought to be able to see a hundred miles away. But if you are all alone and if you are isolated, he wants to burn you. He wants to tempt you. He wants to get you away. You got to be able to see that. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Man, we live in Florida. You've been to the beach. If you haven't, go near the edge of the water, especially when the tide is going out and you stand there with your feet in the water looking out at the ocean. And as the tide and the wave rolls back over you, whether you try to or not, your feet sink down. Your feet get deeper. And it's a lot harder to pull them out the further they sink. Satan's got a plan for your life. He wants to get you out there and suck you in. Yeah, we all know he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But how does he do it? You need to know his tactics. You see, building this house that Jesus is talking about is more than a house. It's us. We house the spirit of the living God. So have you ever crashed? Just gotten where you you said, I I don't know how in the heck I got here, but this is not good. You may not have said heck. Sand or stone. Sand is destruction, isolation, failure, doubt, guilt, condemnation, compromise. Stone is life abundant. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Stone is where he built his church. I'm changing your name to Peter, which means rock. I'm building my church on rock. Look for one thing this week that Satan has planned for you. You don't have to look far. The scriptures say that Satan is going to and fro on the earth, seeing who he can devour. So know what he looks like, know how he acts, know how he does it. Because how you act, how I act, tells us if we're on stone or sand. 
But I got to end with this. And you have to know this today. Satan's got a plan for your life, and it's not a good plan. But so does God. So does God. Guess what his plan is? It's spelled out in his word in Jeremiah 29, 11. He says, I know. You see, there's no doubt. I know the plans I have for your life. The plans. He's got the house plans. He's got the marriage plans. He's got the relationship plans. He's got the financial plans. He's got the retirement plans. He's got every plan that you may need for your life. And Satan is going to try to hide that from you. You will not surely die. Guess what? She did. I, I got a plan for your life, says the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. Do you want God's plan for your life today? Is You may not have thought about it before you came in today. Like, what are my plans? God's got a plan for your life. And the first plan is his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? Have you formed a relationship with him today so that when Satan tries to get along with you and isolate you, when when Satan tries to inhabit you, when Satan tries to get you away and criticize you for everything you've done and that's all you can think about, when Satan tries to get you to buy the wrong Jeep, you got to know God's plan for you is for a future, not to harm you. So God's first plan, well, it started in Genesis. As God hovered over his creation and began to make us all. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't made that decision, here's what you can expect. That you may not be able to see a hundred miles away what God has plans for your life because, well, you haven't given your life to him so that he can write the plans for you. He's got them. He just wants to give them to you. Do you have doubt? Do you have questions about what I should do next, how I should do it next, where I should go next? So if you do and you haven't given your life to Christ, today is the day. And it's not a great big thing you got to do. You can sit right in your seat and give your life to Jesus Christ. Don't make it too complicated. The cat on the cross, he didn't come forward, he didn't tithe, he wasn't baptized. I'm saying that that stuff is good, but he didn't do it. He just said, yes, Lord, I believe. And, And Jesus says... Today, 
You'll be with me. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Father, we thank you today that you're Lord. We thank you, Lord, that your Son, Jesus Christ, is available. He's ready. He wants to share his plans for our lives with us. If there's anyone here that wants to know the Lord, just say, Dear God, I want your son to come into my life. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life. Inhabit me. You can do that right now. If you've already given your life to Christ and you say, Okay, God, I see these plans. Ask him to download a new set for you so you can see them. Just grab them, put them in, and say, yeah, I need, I need you, God. I, I've taken my eyes off of you. I want to come back. There's no better time. And I thank you, God, for your promise. You'll never leave us or forsake us, and that your plan for our life is a plan for a hope in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 1030 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at thelivingcornerstone.org.